Matt Mackey and Jonathan Stevens. Mackey, right? That's your yep, last name. Oh, okay. You know what? Yes. What's up, dudes? Thanks for coming on. Hey, man. Thanks, man. So tell me a little bit about your duo. And do you have an OnlyFans for it? That's the next step. That's no. the direction we're heading. I mean, we've been filming for it. <laughs> Before, for years, uh, before, before even, OnlyFans even existed. Yeah, before I even knew what OnlyFans was, we were like <laughs> already making content. Hey, Matt, uh, would you bring just, the mic a little closer to you? I'm sorry. Yes, I can. Come here, little buddy. But no, uh, not there yet. We go. We're thinking about it. I guess we start at the, or, the, the origin. The when, origin when story. When did we meet? We met in, uh, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I had just moved to town. I had a, a pregnant girlfriend. And she was at the University of Alabama. So I left Florida, came to the University of Alabama, started looking for places to play, found an open mic at a coffee shop. So and I went. I am, happened to be managing this coffee shop at the time in Tuscaloosa and uh, run the open mic there as well. And then I see this guy sitting there with a guitar, and I'm like, walking over, like, hey, man, you want to get up and play a couple? And I'm like, just like everybody, he's going to be fine. And he gets up, and I'm behind the register and also making coffee at the same time. And I hear him playing, and I've run out, and I'm like, hey, man. It's probably one of the douchier things I've ever said, but it's fine. I was like, man, if I play some djembe with you. <laughs> so I got up. As you know, there's always a djembe laying about at an open mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I played a couple songs with them, and then two nights later we went out about the town walking around. I hadn't been living there for a while but not playing any gigs yet, and uh, we just went to a bar where a buddy of mine was playing, and he got done playing, and Matt goes, let's get up and play a couple. Actually, I didn't know this guy yet, John May. Mm-hmm. And uh, Matt was like, "It's fine, man. We just go ask him if we can play a couple songs." And the guy was like, "Yeah, cool." And we got it. And that was the first time we performed like guitar together, and sang together. Um, and that was almost fifteen years ago. Yeah, damn. And we just—that's basically what we still do, though. Really, not a lot has changed in the fifteen years. <laughs> we basically—he carries a djembe around everywhere we go. <laughs> And sometimes just for nostalgia, we'll recreate. Like, I'll get up and start, and he'll be like, hey, man, like, is it cool if I come play some djembe with you? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Come on no, up. You know? None of this is true at all. <laughs> what was the music scene like there? I mean, it was all right. You've been to Tuscaloosa, have you? <laughs> no, I've never been. It's, I thought it was all right. There was, I mean, we had a bunch of talented friends in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, so it's a, very, it's a frat town for sure. So there's a lot of cover bands um, just playing wagon wheel and stuff at bars and whatnot but there's also a great music underground music scene there's some really folks uh ham bagby uh one of our good friends lives in birmingham now um but before that was like uh the dexatines and bakwa some really cool underground local bands that just didn't do they just did all original music and stuff um but at the time there was it's kind of like a kind of like broadway in the sense when you're outside of the bars on a friday night you can hear different bands playing at the same time yeah so there's this little corner area called timerson square downtown that has like you can hear like a couple different bands playing at the same time but that area is pretty much people just doing regular bar gigs at night and stuff we played a lot of gigs in timerson square oh because you you could because the bars were just right next to each other so if you you might be playing in like you know, this one on a Friday night and this one on a Saturday night. And, you know, these are our friends. Everybody's really cool. So you play on a Friday night in this bar. You get maybe a little shit-faced. And you just leave leave all your stuff just on the stage. Just fuck Plugged it. Plugged in. Just leave oh, it all shit. there. Then you show up on Saturday. Show the shit up on Saturday afternoon and just walk in there and pack it and grab it and walk next door and set it up and do the whole thing again on Saturday night next door. I think there was a point where I was playing full-time. I know one month I played like 36 gigs. 
Damn. So I had doubles every Saturday. And then they started doing music on Sunday all of a sudden. And so it was like every night of the week. And then I don't think I took my gear home for weeks. Yeah, you just leave it at wherever you, you just play it and just show up, it to the next move bar. it to the next bar, start drinking again, do it all again. Yeah, that was T-Town life. God, that was ages ago now, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. It was a whole other life. My, I had a baby. I had a brand new baby while this was happening. And now that baby is about to turn 15. Right? It's going to be driving. Weird. Super Damn. weird. I know, right? That's how he's like almost as tall as me. It's outrageous. Does he play music? He does. Yeah. He plays a bunch of instruments. He sings. He writes. He's progressively getting better. He like, really, really is. It's kind of impressive. I'm pretty stoked to see what happens for the rest of his existence. He's almost already a better guitar than me. Yeah, he's like 12 days away from being a better <laughs> guitar player than I am right now. Like every day I walk into his room and I'm like, this motherfucker, he's for sure. I mean, he's he's not like, it's not a question of how, if he's going to pass me. It's just a question of how far past me does he want to go. Yeah, and he'll never be better than me because even though I don't practice anymore, as soon as he starts to get close, I will turn it back on. <laughs> fuck him, right? Like my nephew, try to, he's like eight, uh, 10 years old now and he trying to beat me in video games and i'm like you're never gonna beat me bud i'm sorry it's never gonna happen i would get better just to stay ahead of you he needs that com competition i think to keep it going in life <coughs> hell yeah don't do it competition is a good healthy thing i mean if you do it healthily i yeah. would argue not which you know not everybody does most of the people i know though who are competitive which not everybody most of the people i know could give a shit about being competitive but the ones that i know that are like say you are not really like the level of competitive to where it becomes toxic. So I think there's healthy competitive. There is, right? I agree. So I, I'm the kind of, I love video games so much. Wow. It's a huge part of my life. And I like to be competitive in video games. I'm very good at video games, but I think it's an inclusive world where no one should be shamed because they're not good at it. It's kind of like music, you know, like if you make fun of someone because they're not good at music, everyone was bad at music at some right? point. Yeah. Except for a handful of people that could just do it. But, like, it has to be inclusive. As soon as you start dogging on somebody for something that they're into and interested in, I get very annoyed. Yeah, absolutely. People should be allowed to explore whatever they need to explore and take as much time as they need to to do that exploration. Definitely. This is good. We got deep quick here, boys. I'm oh, impressed. Yeah. We're going to get real deep. So back to the origin story. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah, the origin story. So we started playing together in Tuscaloosa. And essentially, since then, we have just been making music together. We've lived in different places. I came to Tennessee before Jonathan did. Jonathan went down to Florida for a while. So even when we had been living in different states, we just kind of kept in touch and kept bouncing musical ideas off of each other. And, yeah, and early on, we uh, after we started playing together, a little duo stuff. I, I basically had had been doing some frontman work, but my, I just wasn't very I wasn't a very good singer at that time. Decent at guitar. I was leading a little trio here and there. Did a couple bands when I was younger. And it wasn't until I played with Matt on stage for the first time, like a, like a real show, where he I, I saw him perform at a level that I hadn't been on stage with someone performing at before. And it triggered something to me. I was like, and he, I remember one night you went, uh, he's like, man, if you don't play every show like it's your last show, why are you giving up there? Or if you don't give it your all every time, don't even get on the stage. And then he, this is also the same guy who would go so hard on stage entertaining and singing and moving around that as soon as the show was over, he'd run right outside and hurl everywhere. That one time with the Oasis, I almost puked all over that guy. He, he just narrowly got out of the way, the poor fella. Yeah, there was uh, one show we were playing where um, it was still in our duo days before we started playing with the band or anything, and uh, 
Matt got a little got a little drunk on stage, and I was like, "Hey, man, come on! Hey, people are here!" And he goes, and there's a there's a picture of us online where he's just looking at me and talking to me, and I'm laughing at him because he's going, "Fuck all those people, man! It's just me and you on this stage <laughs> right now. This is the only moment that ever is, or something like." That. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah!" And so we 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 crushed it for the next couple songs, and then I looked over, and he was not on the stage anymore. <laughs> he was just gone. And apparently, uh, I went outside and laid down on a on, on a curb. I and fell asleep. For wife I to fell come asleep in a gutter that night, and I had to be picked up by my 22 month pregnant wife, uh, fiance, I guess at the time. It wasn't the finest moment I had, but that doesn't negate my very sound philosophical point <laughs> that I raised on the stage prior to the debauched evening. I learned a lot from that. And then once we started playing, we basically got a little band together. Uh, we got drummer and bass player, and then we met some other uh, some other cats at the same place we met, the coffee shop I was working at. Uh, Rachel Roberts and Stuart Bond, still guns. Both of them kind of doing their own thing musically. Stuart had a band. Next thing you know, we formed the original Still Guns, S T I L L, like motionless. Guns. We basically just started doing four part harmony, and I can tell you, being the worst singer of a four part harmony group will make you a better singer so much faster than anything else. That's a fact. I basically had to find the fourth part constantly, and it changed a lot about my, my thinking about singing on stage and being able to sing harmonies. Wouldn't have gotten where I am without that, for sure. We have, because we've known each other for so long, we have grown and developed musically sort of, you know, as an accompaniment to each other. You know what I mean? The things that we each needed, like, when we get on stage together way back then, it's like, oh, see, and that means I need to get better at this and back and forth. We've just sort of grown in concert with each other, I guess, over the years. Mm -hmm. It's been tremendously helpful to me. We really have only been back living together in Nashville for how many years has it been now? Four or five. Four or five years. A little over five. Before that, I thought you said four or five. Story of our relationship right there. I'm not I say the fact. And I and say then, whatever pops yeah. into my head, generally. It doesn't have to be factual, <laughs> even a little bit. I think the whole story I opened with was a, just a completely made-up story. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah, it doesn't make any difference, really. I uh, So we've been back, but it was at least it was probably five years we were apart before that. Yeah, I uh, Matt moved to Nashville for a job. Hey, yeah, I used to have a day and job. I actually did move up here for like a couple months. I lived with Scotty Rollins for a very short period of time. Oh, God bless him. Um, who Scotty Rollins uh, was in a band that some, some guys we knew uh, um, back in the day, and now and then he uh, was the drum tech for Alabama for a while. Yep. And we hung out with him recently, not that long ago, about six months ago. And uh, he was like, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm not working with Alabama." I'm like, "What are you doing?" He goes, "I'm working with Reba." Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, Alabama's pretty cool. But I told him, Reba here's, here's is your legendary. one chance, fancy. Don't let me down. That's just what I, you know. But uh, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. But I don't know. I didn't know where you were going either. That's why I jumped in with the quick Reba quote. Uh, and then also when me and Matt met, I was actually playing bass in a heavy rock band with some guys that um, I met in Birmingham, Alabama. And I wasn't even a bass player, and they just needed a bass player. They op- they got a show opening up for uh, um, 12 Stones. Mm, yeah, you know, so that gives you a reference for the year that we're talking about. <laughs> right, when they were kind 12 of... 12 Stones was on tour. If you know, if you're going to have to just do a quick Google search for 12 Stones. I don't uh, even know who that is. Uh, uh, you remember yeah. the Evanescence song, Wake Me Up? Yeah, yeah. That guy. Oh, shit, okay. <laughs> 
Just yeah. picture that, but without a hot chick involved at all. Yeah, and just a bunch of dudes. <laughs> just a bunch of dudes. They literally called the 12 Stones. It was six guys. They were like looking around at all their nut sacks. They're like, what do you guys think? 12 Stones? Is that what we're going with? <laughs> I'm, I assume that's the origin story. It's only that they picked an odd number. <laughs> If I was in the we'll band. Get, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> so really, when we met, we met, I was like kind of playing with this other band, trying to do my own. I was doing a lot of looping and stuff, and I was like not really doing lead guitar with the guy. And then kind of what we were talking about earlier, was um, we kind of complement each other so well that we end up not learning what the other one does as much. Like I write songs, but I'm not the songwriter he is. He can do pro. He can create a song. And, he created a few songs in Pro Tools recently and sent them to me, but not the producer I am. Yeah. So we have, and we kind of just we've learned over time to just stay in our lane. Yeah. You do what you do well. I do what I do well. We can both get better at everything, but if you find people that complement the things that you do well, like you got a producer, you got a microphone too. Yes, I do. Yeah. There he is. He joins. <laughs> he joins the circus. Um, you know, finding the folks that make you better by complimenting your skills is something that I didn't realize when we first met. I didn't know that was happening. Yeah. I was like, oh, this guy's cool. I kind of want to be like him a little bit more. Yeah. And then now it's turned into, man, I want to be nothing like him (laughs) at all. all. That's a reasonable. I just, you know, want him to be better and me to be better. (laughs) But mostly for him to be better. Pretty much mostly for him. To catch up to me as I continue to be better. (laughs) And where'd we go from there? I don't know. Basically, we just keep making music together all the time. We got an album that we've been working on for like a year now, probably. We've done a few since then. Oh, uh, yeah. So we got we, a bunch of so yeah, when, projects. When we first met, on. you were actually still creating your uh, These Tracks record. Oh, man. So, like, yeah, when, so I was when I met him, on, like, back then, the only I was thing, working on an album. The only thing you met. had out in the world was the live album, Live at the Mezzanine. Oh, man. And which is so, a, it's a great record. Can I tell you guys just something hilarious, really quickly, while we're talking about that? Uh, when I, I did this record years ago when I lived in Virginia, and it's, it was a live record. We called it Live at the Mezzanine because if you want to know the secret, we played it at a place called the Mezzanine. And the crowd was okay. It was a good-sized crowd, I felt like, at the time. But we you know, didn't have any money. We didn't mic it that well. So the crowd noise on the live recording was minimal. Even when I got a good applause, it was, we just didn't, you know. So the guy who produced that record for me, God love you, Daniel Keaton, I always will, we used, do you remember from the 90s, the Lauryn Hill Unplugged record from MTV Unplugged that Lauryn Hill did? Of course, you guys don't remember. You guys are babies. It's fine. <laughs> there was an amazing album from the 90s. There was a whole series of MTV Unplugged records. Lauryn Hill's was amazing. So we took the applause from the Lauryn Hill record and we put it into the Live at the Mezzanine. <laughs> and that's what, to pad all of the breaks in between the songs. So I finished the song and it's just people going ape shit. And like, I know that it's because Lauryn Hill is a queen, but like, they, you know, it's... That's how we had to fill it out because we didn't mic the crowd very well. So that was our solution. And that was the only album I had out in the world when I first yeah. met John. And so, and so to, to do a little skip ahead and we'll come back to where we pick up the uh, thought there is that recently we've been working with a company called Ghost Rider Music. And um, we did a couple like interesting covers. We did some flipping of major to minor. And then um, we did some just straight up acoustic covers for them. And then they were very interested in using some of the songs from Live at the Mezzanine, which is all just a live record. And it, as a producer, sound engineer, don't love it. And don't let, you know, because it, it was done the way it was done. And so instead of just trying to do something with that, we re-recorded it like 
a live record. So I, I did everything I could to make it sound like it was one guy on a stage playing guitar and singing, but no crowd noise or anything. And we called it Dead at the Mezzanine, which... You get it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. See, if you just not get it. Yeah. Yeah, we get it. So when I first came up with it, I was like, that's kind of stupid. But the more we heard it, we're like, I don't think anybody's done that. Like, I don't know anybody that's done a a recreation an of unliving a, of a live an record. unlive yeah <laughs> you guys so, know your favorite live record what if it was like that but without all that crowd energy <laughs> without all that sense of community and excitement same thing but just without but just all dip. the stuff that you loved about it yeah and, but uh we ended up doing it so i was like should i have matt play guitar on it again and if we do that it's going to sound just as bad as the first time so i'm a terrible what, guitar player he's not terrible he he thinks he is but he's he's he's, he, he's, the, he's a below literally average the other day player. we were recording something and i went to the bathroom came back and he was pl- holding my guitar and he was playing like really weak like and i was like man if you just played like grip it a little harder and play it with some energy and he did and he sounded 10 times better you're not yeah. bad but so what we did is i just recorded the guitar parts listening to his original versions and tried to play it as much like he did so yeah. like 85 percent on everything and it's still percent accuracy and it still sounds too accurate <laughs> <laughs> but we had him come in and it's 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 very, it's very interesting sound if especially if you listen to him side by side you're like it's very similar it's very deadened sound but then um uh, shout out to traver here it's not his real name um, the, we sent it to him, all the, all the, all the, um, stems and everything. They mastered it. And then one day I was just looking at Spotify and it was just out. <laughs> yeah. They never, they never told us they were putting it on Spotify or anything. So it was it just was, there. It had been out for like a week and a half. I texted and him. I was like, no Hey idea. man, loving the record. <laughs> but just next time, you know, shoot me a quick text. If you're going to re- release a Matt Mackey album, I would, I would be dope to tell people that there's yeah. a new Matt Mackey album that's about to come out. Even if it's just, you know, a less interesting version of an old Matt Mackey album. <laughs> I'd still like to give Less people... interesting, but better. You know? Yeah, yeah, so a higher quality, less <laughs> exciting. <laughs> it's like, but the whole point of it is that now these songs are stemmed out, so if we can get into the sync license world, and if they get used for a TV show or commercial or movie trailer, it's now they can just separate it out and use what they want. They can use this just the vocals, and we and don't all. have to use Lauren Hill's audience as well, which is helpful. I think I think she would. They flag you for that. I think she you would think recognize. They could identify the the specific applause. I mean, I think AI so. is getting AI. pretty good. Those yeah, are my dude, claps. Those every are my song claps. in the world goes through a filter now, and uh, Marvin Gaye tries to take credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Marvin. Oh Gaye. no, Mar- it's Marvin his co-writer's family that yeah, tries to take credit family, for yeah. it. I like Ed Sheeran. You can't copyright. Or trademark a chord progression. It's like we talk about one, four, five, six right now. Well, you could sue like every fucking the blues artist could sue. I mean, I guess it kind of happened with Zeppelin, but um, Robert Johnson should, should sue everyone. Yeah, well, once we speed it up. <laughs> nice callback. That was good. <laughs> Maybe that was pr- I'm proud. I'm proud. That was good. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Cheers to that. Bro. Change change the key by a. Almost a half. It step. is. You can look. You can listen to the comparisons. Well, he, and like YouTube he did videos. record really it in MIDI, so I believe that you can just raise it, raise it on. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say tickle it because that looked like that. You can. You well, know, he knows what I'm talking Gucci, about. Yeah. He knows what MIDI is. You're yeah. like, you can give it the Gucci goo. He's like MIDI. I don't know why it's smaller. Oh. 
<laughs> it was so close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, how did you guys start doing the sync licensing thing? How did that whole thing start? We were playing a gig downtown. Yeah, we, um, which we're not generally hip to. We um, haven't played a gig down. Uh, when we say downtown, we mean downtown Nashville for everybody that's not in Nashville. Broadway and uh, Broadway. And I, I have done a little bit of Broadway work. You do Broadway work. You, you fuck every now and then. Yeah, but you've done it. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like it's you're not, familiar with the it's experience. It's not something yes. that I was drawn to. I don't like four hour gigs. Standing up nonstop and no breaks. And Let me just say really quickly before we go forward, I've lived in Nashville longer than anybody. I've been here for a little over a decade now. And I, when I, I remember when Broadway gigs were totally fine. You could find a place to park. People were pretty cool downtown. You know, you made pretty okay money. And everybody had fun. It wasn't a shit show. You know, like, this is only, this is 10 years ago, less than that. You know what I mean? When it's still, like, what we're describing now, it wasn't always this way of playing gigs out on Broadway. It used to not be such an unpleasant experience. Did you make more money back then? You didn't. You would make a little bit better money, but you never had I to pay to park. I think the scale has always been the same. When you first start out, no, right? You make yeah. 50 bucks, 75 maybe. Yeah. And then when you get to 100, you're like, whoa, cool, I'm making 100 bucks, but I'm also paying 20 bucks to park, and then my drinks are twice the price they should be. Yeah. No discount, more money. And then, you know, it, no breaks. It's just like, it. I have friends that have been doing it for a long time, and they make good money doing it. You know, they go on down on the Mumbrian and they make 250 bucks a gig. Yeah. But they've been doing it for six, seven years and they got the inside, you know? Oh, man. So uh, <laughs> we were playing, the, to go back to uh, the sing license, so we were playing at uh, Doc Holidays, which is a little, tiny little bar that between the bar and the band, there's about three feet. Maybe four. It's feet. like a shotgun bar. You know what I mean? Just one one long skinny bar. It's got, yeah. it's got a little got a little spiral staircase. You can smoke in there. Tiny still, little, which was great. It's not on Broadway. It's on um second. Second. Yeah. Okay. It's on the right, just off of Broadway, and uh, so it's just a. I think we're making sixty bucks a man. You know, like whatever. And we're we're drinking. We're having a good time. There's not a lot of people in there, and there's just two dudes and these two chicks that are having a great time. So there's actually I don't know. <laughs> No, never mind. I don't know if I'll tell that story. I don't want to infringe on them. We don't have to say the name of the company we work with. We yeah, we're going to. Yeah, so we are. We I'll, I can, we I can say you. that we these people were having a great fucking time, and we could tell that they were having a great fucking time. Everybody the, could tell. All four people in the both couples were having a great time. <laughs> One of these days when we're all a lot richer, I'll tell them how will we know that much. Standing on the bar having a good time. Yeah, like standing up on the bar in a not-that-full bar, kind of having a good time. What time of day was this? <laughs> it was nighttime, but Evening, not like 1 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, the like, gig started at 6 or something. Yeah, it was like know, that yeah. 7 to 9 o'clock time. Shift. We're like, yeah. yeah, where people are, some people are and, partying, and be but honest, it's not 3 a.m. We, we have played um, some, some pretty big gigs over the years, like we, especially with Johnny Hayes and mm-hmm. like so, some festival gigs, thousands of people. like some big, But we've also played... Literally a gig. We'll tell the story in a minute, but literally a gig to no one the entire night. You say I'm, we're going to tell that story in a minute. Like that's only ever happened one time. <laughs> but, but, but this gig, the only people that were there was the bartender and the sound guy, and the bartender left. Yep, the bartender. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll we looked up and she was just gone. We yeah, were she's like, like I'm out. What do we do? So we have played gigs to no one before, and we kind of forgot the the smaller crowds kind of turn it on for us, like the intimacy, the the good time of. 
a, a playing a small venue and at the end of the night because we'll just start and, talking and, to those people you know yeah, what i mean and also it's like a slim house the very last song matt will walk off the stage and just be singing with the people and walk out in the crowd not the crowd but the tables <laughs> and, the, then, pa- and the then patrons and then like we'll just put down our instruments and just all just walk out and the drummer too just walk out and just sing with us We've done that in Nashville a few times as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, we thrive on the small crowd and the energy there and the intimacy. And what were we talking about before that? Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Big crowds, small crowds. Meeting Ghost Rider. Oh, yeah. So, we're at Doc Holiday. Jesus so, Christ. Yeah, so I'm, I don't know why I looked at him. I should have looked at you. Yeah. By the way, Matt has the memory of a goldfish. <laughs> I can't remember anything. Goldfish and Tells me the animals. same story ten times a day. It's crazy. <laughs> it's there's <laughs> the reason like 90% of Americans have owned a goldfish because they're dope so we're playing this gig in this bar this, this, these two couples are having a great time and we kind of thrive on that energy so we're having a great time like, they were right in, they were as far away from us as you are like because yeah. it's this little shotgun bar they were right at the bar next to us where we were playing so we were I mean we couldn't have been three four feet away from us so we're basically having our own party with these people yeah, so Matt ends up talking to the, one of the guys for a little bit. I'm packing up, like usual, and then... <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. But, I, I, you know, I'm trying to get out of there. So, like, after we're kind of leaving, Matt was like, hey, so I talked to this guy, and apparently he works for this company that does, like, music for, like, all kinds of stuff. And I was like, cool, man. Sure he does. To be oh, fair, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, we've yeah. all played a lot of games. I, I, I'm devil's advocate to everything. People are always like, I do this. You can do this with yeah, me. Yeah, right. How many times yeah. have you played someone and said, hey, man, I, I tell you what Come I can on, do for I you. just want you to have sex with my wife. <laughs> And by the way, like, that is right. what happened. <laughs> Both I'm sorry, of us. I didn't mean to skip to the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> Two years later. <laughs> but yeah, so like uh, the next day, Matt is like super. Like, well, I get more. Generally, excited. what happens when I, something I allow myself to get sucked when in. something happens to us in general or whatever? Matt's the one that kind of gets a little more excited because that's his role I is to be excited. the emo- like not an emotional one, but the 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 one that's. Emotional is the right word. He's more, you're more right brain, and I'm more left brain, right? I forget which each one does. So Either way, sure. I'm the more an- analytical, and he's the more impulse. And so he'll get excited about something, and I'm the one that goes, let's think about it and look at all the angles. And then, like, a week goes by, and he sent me the link to their website. And I was like, cool, let me check them out. I'm like, Ghost Rider Music. I'm like, all right, let me look up their reel. And it was like, DC movie. It's like every Marvel every major movie. movie that has come out, they did the sound, they did the trailer, they did the sound. For and the you're trailer. like, Pixar movie. Like the <laughs> biggest box office movies, they're doing the and sound you're for like, the trailer. Cool, John Wick. Or like, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but like, it's literally like. <laughs> it was a big movie. But it wasn't just comic, but you know, it was like a broad spectrum. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, maybe there's something to this. Maybe these guys are actually legit. And turns out they are. Yeah, they're big time. <laughs> they're actually out of L.A. Yeah, so they had just moved to Nashville not that long before that we met them from L.A. And they're they're fantastic. We've hung out with them a bunch. We spent a lot of time with them. They We haven't got anything placed with them yet. And my working theory on it is the bulk of what we have given them material-wise for, to be placed and to be used is just kind of what we do. We haven't really done a lot of Which, oh, let's write let's write this for a, this particular project. We just keep writing songs and producing songs. This is also like why they, they they were interested in us in the first place. Yeah, because of the the experience we did live and stuff and the way that Matt performs and we play. Um, 
they're interested in getting into getting artists to create songs and then and placed in TV shows yeah. and in movies. You know what I mean? We did some, we did some work for a project for them for a TV show. And, and most of it, none of it ever ended up getting used on that show, but that was, and then the that show was got the canceled. plan. The plan was like, we're trying to get placements in the show. So they, they have mastered the world of trailers. I mean, they are as big as anybody and can be as, as far as you can as... imagine. The sound of that is it's, yeah. it's lots of instrumental work. So everything that we go and look at, like when I, I mean, like I was constantly looking at what they were putting out, and be like, "Why are our songs out here?" I was like, "Oh, because what movie trailers want?" Unless they really find a very particular project that really wants the kind of song that we're giving them. Yeah. But it also you seems know. like they know what they're doing. Like they know that that's like so. You see more and more movie trailers out that have a broken down minor key version of a song, like the Batman trailer. Yes. With so, uh, the Nirvana song. Yep. Absolutely. So our first, uh, it's called Covers Volume 1, is the album we did. For, we didn't even know we were going to do a whole record. Yeah. We thought we were going to record uh, The Times Are Changing by Bob Dylan in a minor key. And Which, by the way, works is incredibly badass. That whole song is so like atmospheric already, and it becomes like apocalyptic. So, when you we, go minor so that was the it. first one we started doing for them, because they were like, give us, some, give us a song that we can put in the movie trailer. So I was thinking with, by the way, nothing more than the plugins that come with Pro Tools. I had no other virtual instruments or anything. I was using Expand, the Mini Grand, the DB33 plugin, the basic stuff. And I thought I need to make this sound cinematic. So we were, we were putting in sound effects and weird stuff for the vibe. And then we didn't do the whole record like that, but we realized we, we were going to take anything in a minor key. So uh, paint it black by the Rolling Stones, do it in a major key. I see a red door and I want to paint it black. Yeah, it was it's really funky. It's like and then, and then we put like a marimba and bells in it. Doing oh, the, nice. Doing the melody. Yeah. And then we did uh turn the page. But what if Johnny Cash did turn the page? Interesting. So that's how I approach a lot of it. It's like, what if this person covered it? And like, so it's just minor to major, major to minor. It's like, what if this artist was reinvention. the one doing it this way? Yeah, yeah. So that's what I, I. That's kind of how we approached it all. And so we, we were like, man, these ten songs are kind of cool. Like we got something going on. We did a, a slowed down version of Rebel Yell, and things like that. Um, and then nothing really happened from it because we also something. It took us until now to realize it's not really about just creating ten decent songs for that. You need hundreds. And hundreds. Yeah, I mean, you know, because the the I'm pretty sure the first thing that they get um, asked when they pitch one of our songs to someone is, "Cool, what else do they have?" You know, like, here's <laughs> these other eleven songs. Yeah, as opposed so that, to here, so that's we, got, we got about three hundred songs in the catalog. You just tell me what kind you're looking for. Yeah, and and uh, they we've met some other artists that they've worked with that have placed a song in something. So like, it's doable to get. You know, but they're also trying to branch out into the TV world, place actual songs and not theatrical movie trailer versions as well. We just haven't done a ton of making music that is outside the kind of music we would normally make. For us, it's like, oh, well, this is this is a song I would do anyway. This is this is the way I would. You know, it's like when I put this on a record I was already making, and if the answer is yes, then we go ahead and do it for them too. But we don't really do a lot of. So what do they? What do they need? Just tell me what they want us to make, and we'll make it. You know what I mean? And really, a direction. You still keep it pure. Yeah, I mean, artistically. For us at least, yeah, yeah. If it's, so it's music we would be interested. This in This has making. been something that we've been talking about a lot, actually, or I, I, I've been talking about for a while. And Matt, you're starting to come over to this side of, of, of my of the view of it is, um, 
instead of making music for for someone to sell, we want to make music for the sake of making music. You make it because it's good and you like it and you're interested in it. And if you're honest, it's what uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. I know we've talked about him. Yeah, a yeah. Bit. Gary V. Classic Gary V. Man, he he talks about like quit making content for the likes and the views. Make it because you love it and you're into it. And you and you're you know and and if you do it honestly, people pick up on that. God, I fucking hope so. Right. right? I mean, <laughs> that's the dream, right? This guy's over here, 8,000 podcast episodes in. <laughs> what do you actually, what, what is this one? Uh, I think this is 196 or 197. Christ, hold on, wait, You could wait on. till 200 for us? Just let I mean... me be clear. Both 196 and 197 are my lucky numbers. So oh whichever one, <laughs> whichever one it is, I think we've really found Matt, some magic Matt is very there. good at like grabbing your attention about something and then 10 seconds later you realize he's full of shit. As many he's women have told me before. The best at it. It only takes 10 seconds later to be so, go from excited to just disappointed. Because I'll be honest, you never get me like that. I was like, wait, 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 196, 197, what about it? And you're like, oh, my favor. I'm like, fuck you. It is the, also the beginning of my third favorite phone number, all but one number. Because there's seven. That one didn't land as well. That's fine. Look, guys, <laughs> all you can do is shoot your shot. That's hey, all you know anyone what? can do. You just gotta ride it out like Norm Macdonald did. Man, you is just gotta a ride reference? it. Ride a bit into the sun, dude. His last stand up. I didn't see it, but I, I know what it is. I it, didn't know that he was sick when I watched it. Yeah, but he was dying at the time. And the thing I noticed about it is that he never once moved his feet. From the position. He didn't take any one step in any direction. He didn't shuffle his feet. He didn't, re- you know, that I couldn't stand still for, for an hour without at least, like, at least moving my ankles or something. Yeah. But he never moves. He just stands there and tells the fucking jokes. It's when you watch it, like, through the lens of knowing that he's sick, it means so much more to me. They did at the, the podcast of all the different uh, comedians, like, and they watched the whole thing mm-hmm. and talked about it. Oh my gosh, man. It's it's pretty heartbreaking and awesome yeah, at the same time. Yeah, Norm, Norm was fantastic. Yeah, I think with with soundtracks today, it's it's kind of interesting with scores, uh, because everything like you got Hans Zimmer and all of that, where it's, it's really Han Solo. it's uh, <laughs> it's just buzzing and, and beeping, which he, he's great at. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like for a lot of scores now, they're not they're not really. They're they're more of like sound effects almost. A lot of it. it. It's it's definitely interesting how broad the spectrum is now. To where I'll watch a movie that I'm very excited about. Also, this is something that Ghost Rider does. Like the the music that they make for a trailer versus the music that's in the movie is often very different. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't even aren't using the same music. You know, yeah. they're they're coming up with something brand new for it. Um, but it's, especially lately, I've noticed like a movie that I'm super into and excited about to watch, and then the score happens, and I'm like, "What is this? Is a very different vibe than I thought this was going to be." Mm-hmm. It's crazy how much it can change. I mean, you put a you put a a little a comical sound effect into into a serious film, it obviously ruins the whole thing. You've seen those videos and stuff. Yeah. Insert yeah. sound. There it, is. <laughs> there it is. There it is. I was like, nobody help him. So everybody in, let it sit. In like in like in like twenty minutes, we're gonna be talking like something really serious. And, and I'm I, gonna go. No, I, want, I want you to edit and post like a like a I, I you. You know, like you. a very nineteen twenties thirties. Oh, backward editing was easy. <laughs>
<laughs> editing is so easy. Click, click. It is really not that. These some bitches used to have to cut physical film. Oh I mean, my that, god, that's Did no joke. Yeah, like, I think it was like right. Yeah. <coughs> well, tape. Man, yeah, I'm mean, having I can't to cut even, tape. I'm good. I, 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 I'm someone who is a is a tone fiend. I love tube amps, but I have not used an amp to record anything in two years. I do it all in the box because the technology has finally caught up. To where I play it for someone, I'm like, yeah, I used a, a 65 Deluxe. I'm like, oh, it sounds good. I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I will, it, I will tell you this: I have in the last couple few months done uh, harmonica sessions, which is hilarious to me, at two different uh, studios in town that are full analog studios, so they do everything to tape there. And both times I did those sessions, there, I it's just so cool. And I, I don't know, I'm like just old enough, I guess, still to think it's cool. So every time it's like, all right, let's hit that again. And you hear the like, like yeah. you hear them rewinding that fucking tape over there. And like you can see the machine and you're just like, God damn, this is just like, this is so much cooler than a fucking computer screen somewhere. There's just something visceral about it, I guess. But I mean, that's, I think maybe just, I'm just old enough to have been born in an era where we sort of, that was... A, how everybody did it, and B, you just looked up to that See, whole methodology. And, and, and I go back and forth on it, because if I had my choice, yeah, I want to use... Roll tape all day and spend I all the money. I want to use the yeah. most expensive tube amps and, and the best com analog compressors, and I want to go to Fame Studios and record on the microphone that Aretha Franklin record on. Yeah, all that right. is super cool. Like, uh, we recorded a record in the, with um, um, Brooke, in the uh, what's it called the studio? Yeah, yep. I forgot the name of the studio. It's called the studio. It's literally named the studio. So it used to be in an old church from like the 1930s or 40s. On, yeah, I don't know, over yeah. on the West End. And when you're in there, you're like, oh man, the vibe, the soul in here is awesome. I think I know the studio you're talking about. It's it's, well, it's, it's moved since, since still then, on the West End, but now. it's still it's just down the street. But yeah, it's on the West End. And um, like I remember being in a recording and being like, "Man, this is awesome! The vibe in here, like having rehearsals in there. Oh man, it's we so we cut cool. a whole record in there. Yeah, we cut two records. Johnny's record. We and cut a record live in there. And you know, I love it live. I went back to the Lauren Hill and I got some applause. But the thing is, is that uh, when we were recording, we had to turn the air conditioner off because you could hear it. Mm -hmm. I see. It, I like that though. But it's ninety degrees, and I'm uncomfortable now. I can't focus on my guitar playing. And also, some of the infrastructure built into the building's not great, so like we're having troubles with uh, the, the feedings of the microphone or something because it's not a super modern. Nothing against the studio at the time, but you know it's just what it was happening. He's like, I loved it. So like, I find issues like there's, there's, there's problems there. Like, would I love to be able to spend ten thousand dollars a day and go to the best studio in the world and record? Sure, I want that. I would love to be able to record through the. You'd never be able to fucking release music though. That's yeah. the catch twenty two. So, but I can sit in my apartment and use native instruments and use any sound in the world and create anything and make a I amazing mean, there's demo. no question that the, the the digitization of music making was also the democratization of music making right i don't know what digit oh jesus christ digits i get it <laughs> it, it, wasn't, it wasn't good 
it just made it available to everybody. You know what I mean? The gear just sitting in this basement right now. If we were doing this all analog, it would take the entire basement and then some. You know what I mean? Yeah. To be able to record, just you know what I mean? Just record a podcast to tape. Yeah, just to take. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was technology never got better audio. with recording. We still did it the same way as we did in the '60s. You know like, what I mean? So, uh, you so know, yeah, this it, was, it was cool being in there, and I like that there are still studios here in Nashville, and I'm sure all kinds of places where you can go and you can cut to tape, and they can you can master to tape. You can do all. I'm glad that technology still exists. I have a spot in my heart for it. A lot of people do. 50 years from now, will there still be people nostalgically looking for stuff that was... Because by then, I would imagine, and really even now, digitally, you can you can recreate the analog sound so closely with a computer that it takes a really trained ear to be able to discern the difference at this so point, really, for the most part, Really, right? the question is, are so we... So will there still be people that even want this tape technology once we are out of the generations of people that grew up using it, you know? I think there will be people still ride Surely, horses. Right? People still ride horses. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah Not exactly. as their main mode of transportation. Yeah, but they do. People still fly one propeller. We so we planes. write. We, we don't have to. These, we have jets uh, now. We write custom songs more or less these days, like for a lot of our living. And I was talking to the guy who works for this big company that we do most of our work for. And I made a sort of offhand comment to him about how many notebooks I have full of songs for them. And he laughed at me, not like like a dick, just like, oh, man, you're one, you're, you still use paper, huh? And I was like, oh, man, I guess most of the people that do this just, like, pull up their computer and they type. Like, when I go to write a song, you know, without fail, it's a pen and a piece of paper. Like, I'll, always, since I was a kid. This is where we differ again, because I have a tablet that has a, a pen, and it does, like, pretty good hand, hand, you know, handwriting recognition and turns it into text for you. He's like, ah, not quite, not quite there. It's just not. I, don't, you know, I have. I, I'm just. You want to feel it. There's something I, about I the do, connection. So and I like they to do cross it out. Here's and the thing, like, though, right next to round I, I sent you a link a while back where there was this uh, this new tablet that's like the paper tablet, and like it has the feel of pencil on paper. But like, so and it, and, and it looks like it. And it's but not also like, when I write it wrong because I've fucked up. And I scratch it out, and I got to write the better line yeah, next to it. That. That's still there, I so I can it. see what I did before, and I can see how I fixed it. So the whole process of the song is on this piece of paper. So when again, I'm done. so here's my not question: not just the words. Is to the, the same song. thing about it going? The thing about it going digital and cheap, and everyone in the world has a freaking focus, right? You saw my, I got, a, yeah, I got a focus, right? Me Every, too. Everyone I talk to at work all day has a focus, right? Yeah, it is it is the. Home studio. He works for Focusrite. I think we should be clear. <laughs> That's why everyone he talks but like, to. The fact that it's all accessible now, so you can buy you can buy a computer an interface, a microphone, everything you need to record a whole song, everything for less than a grand now. Honestly, less than that. And the you fact said it the first time, less than a grand. Yeah, no, well, less than eight hundred. I mean, <laughs> oh, I hate you so much sometimes. But the fact, uh, my, so the question is: Is the accessibility to more people? Good or bad, like so. It's good. It can't, how it's can it not be good? It's the same thing with the internet, right? Is the internet being around a good well, thing or a bad thing? That's that's but that's similar. different. It's, that's it, it's in the hands of the beholder. Of I feel like, things. right? So if someone has the ability, especially twenty years from now, what digital is going to be able to do versus analog? The accessibility puts more music in the world and allows more people to create music. Therefore, it's a good thing. Hundred percent. If people want to argue that nothing should be ever created digitally, it should all be analogs. Like, I mean, cool. I'm I'm sure the dinosaurs agree with you. We should also go back to just using house phones. I guess I don't yeah, know. I'm, like, I'm sure sitting around listening to the radio all day was fantastic. It, but it, that's not what it, we by did. all accounts it was. People seem to be know, very right? excited <laughs> about sitting around listening to the radio. 
I don't know if you've ever heard news reports from the 30s and 40s. Those motherfuckers loved the radio. They were all about it. <laughs> all about the radio. They knew what was happening when the stock market crashed, when the Nazis were invading. Motherfuckers were listening to the radio. Just saying, all their favorite stories, radio. I don't know if Nazi invasions were their favorite stories. Probably not. Go, go on. <laughs> all right. Well, look. There was The Phantom. That was the one that people really enjoyed. I'm told. War of the Worlds. Well, yeah, War of the, War of the Worlds. Worlds. Yeah, you know what I mean? People thought that shit was real, though. Yeah, man. Because why would you not? They, you know, this is never, nobody ever just got on the radio. Because at that point in life, everyone believed what their authority told them. Everyone believed that God was real and because the preacher said so. And they knew that Orson Welles was a dick. So they were positive that he would only be telling them the truth. We talk talk about uh, religion on this show or what? Yeah, oh, yeah. Any religion specifically, or are we just going to spitball it here? Any religion that was you such a hard about. left turn. We just let's just do uh, one religion at a time. All right. So, Ooh, all right. I, I I'll start. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can start. <laughs> so actually, speaking of that, we actually both grew up, uh, or not grew up, but most of our growing up Christian. And then we oh, super Christian. When we met each preacher. other, we both still believed in God. I was still Pretty leading. Strong. I was leading the music at churches still actively. Like I was the worship leader, is yeah. what they and call it. And I stopped it. leading at worship a, a when I met when him probably met. six months before I met him. I was still leading worship at churches, but but still actively believed in God. And so, what led to you guys like leaving the church system? I read a book called The Case for God. But I mean, I, this was at the end of a long journey. But I, I basically read a book about the validity of religion, and it led me to the obvious conclusion. Again, at the end of years of introspection, et cetera, et cetera. But really, the big takeaway was every one of these cats has a very legitimate claim to their beliefs. And it's ludicrous to say that like any one of them is, is clearly the only one that is correct. And I was like, God damn that. Of course, of course. There's such huge chunks of the world that so fervently believe each of these, you know, you could just pick a handful of your major religions without even getting into some of the more minor religions. And everybody who genuinely ascribes to any of these faiths believes them wholeheartedly. And I was like, it's ludicrous. Of course you Yeah, the idea right. of like, this is it and like everybody else is wrong. I was like, that's, that's crazy. Only an insane person could look at this evidence globally and yeah. come to that conclusion. And bear me, in mind, my I, dad's a preacher. This is my, I spent my whole life, my granddad, my dad, my brother, all preachers. It's heavy, oh, shit. Heavy in my family. See, and I was on my way to being one. I, I Directly out of, I, before I graduated high school, I decided that I was going to be in the service of ministry. Whether it was a youth pastor or worship leader, I was already, I've been leading worship since I was 16. So I went to seminary, undergrad seminary, immediately out of high school. So my very first class was the authority of the Bible. And it was the subtext, the subtitle was uh, Why We Believe the Bible's the Bible. And this professor got up and he goes, hey, question everything I say. And I was like, not really heard a lot of pastors say that before. Right. And he, and he was this guy that was like, look, I'm here to tell you why this is true and why I believe it. But you have to decide that for yourself. So study it understand it and then once i started going down the rabbit hole and now i love history once i started lining up history with the way the 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 bible tells history things just didn't make sense for me anymore so i've always been on a search for truth if i was going to be a christian i had to 100 percent believe it and if i 100 percent believed it i had to live every day every second like it was true and most people don't you know, so it, just, it took me to a place where, where uh, it, it was either all or nothing. And I'm not going to do the whole uh, Moses at the burning bush. Thing, <laughs> but, 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 okay, I'll, I'll do it real quick. 
So, basically, <laughs> so I'm gonna go get new beers. Yeah, yeah, give me one yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. So, so what it was for me was was we were we were literally studying that story, and my my professor, who was also a pastor, they all were, and he he was, goes goes if Moses at the burning bush is so important that uh, it's 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 when he he says uh, when I go back to Egypt, who shall I say sent me? And he's and then God says, tell them I am sent you. And the, we were all about translations to the original Hebrew at the time, mm-hmm. right? So the, the I am there means Yahweh, but it's not Yahweh. It means everything. It means beyond everything. Yahweh is another uh, name for God, right? Yeah. So the original Hebrew of Yahweh has no vowels. So when you say Yahweh with no vowels, it's it's the sound of breath. Really? Yeah, that's where the actual term is the sound of breathing. It, that is Yahweh. Yahweh is life. This is where I firmly believe today that, that back then they actually didn't really believe that all these stories were true. There were stories like we have television. Well, they're they're parables. Yes, they didn't have Netflix. Yeah, they had. They stories. didn't have Marvel. It's stories, you know. Yeah, um, and so that the whole so it basically he was like draw a line, and on one side you have all of reality, you have emotion, you have time, you have consciousness, you have intelligence, you have all these things, and on the other side you have God. And that's the way it has to be for God to be God for me. Like, that's what I, I drew from. It was like, he's either fully sovereign or he's not fully sovereign. Basically, is there free will or is there not? And I came to the conclusion that for God to be God and be sovereign, that there can be no free will. He creates Adam and Eve in the garden, but he already knows they're going to eat the fruit. He chooses. They're going to sin. That means he chooses for them to eat the fruit. Yeah. So either nothing happens outside the sovereignty of God or everything. And I came to the conclusion after studying other religions as well and getting really deep into their text and what they talk about, I came to the conclusion that nothing is in the sovereignty of God. And now I'm a scientist. Have you guys ever seen... Also microscopes, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dogma by Kevin Smith. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's a, that's a great... Movie about religion because 100%. it's about faith and it's about the questioning of religion. It's it seems like just a fundamental, a cursory questioning of any religion reveals that it can't be the end all be all of existence. Yes, the golden rule, man. When 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 Jesus, I'm not, I'm not Mark twenty four, right? So Jesus is uh, Damn, talking. He's, to, just, he's just pulled it out. He's, he's talking to the Pharisees, and they ask. This is very common. Like right? it's, it's the golden rule, right? It's love God, love people. So the Pharisees ask Jesus of all the Old Testament laws, there's three hundred and something laws. What's the most important? He doesn't even name one of them. He goes easy. Love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. You're and, like, and, wrong. And it, you had three hundred choices. None yeah, of those right? are correct. And that was not what we asked. Crucify him. <laughs> um. But he basically says, and, and, and in, in a different uh, book, he adds another one, but it's fine. We, we won't talk about the discrepancies between I mean, the we stories. we have gone way off the but then, I went upstairs for so just like minutes. And then minutes. he says, and then he says, the second, the same as the first, just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So basically, it's the golden rule. Respect that you're not the biggest thing in the universe and don't treat others poorly. That is a relationship with God. That is God. That's what he was trying to tell them. And everybody took it as, you know, we, we got to do this. We should t- have guns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesus invented America. I did so. actually 
to just bring us and back the around. Gun, so the Colt 45. I had these very, the these very lovely people came to my door the other day to talk to me <laughs> about Jesus. They were lovely. They were very kind and tapped on my door. And I was like, you know, who is out here? I didn't order any food, I don't think. I don't know why my, someone's tapping on my door. Who else taps on doors anymore? Amazon people sometimes, I guess. So I look out, and there they are. And, you know, my kid was sitting there. And I was like, all right, I'll go out onto the porch. And I'm talking to him. And uh, they were very, they were clearly trying to put off why they were here to talk to me. They didn't want to get right into it because they didn't want to just jump into the rejection, you know? So it was like, how are you today? Like, how's your Saturday been? You know what I mean? If you've been having a good week, I'm like, man, like, how long are we going to do this dance, right? So finally, I was like, so, all right, we've done this now. What are you guys up to? And she pulls up her phone and she's, she's like, there's this really lovely verse. And I can see it's like Romans 16 or 12 or some shit. I don't know. And I see it on her phone, and I know that, I mean, I have read the whole Bible. I've been in church my whole fucking life. So I, I see it on her phone, and I felt so bad, but I'm just not going to do it, right? So I look at the two of them, and I was like, oh, darling, I'm sorry. We don't fuck with the Bible here. And she, the looks on both of their face, their eyes both got so big. Like, I don't know how many doors they've knocked on, but I'm pretty sure no one's ever told them, no, we don't fuck with the Bible here. And they were just like, oh, oh, okay. And I was like, but man, you guys have been delightful, and I really appreciate you coming by, and have good luck with the rest of your day. And they were like, oh, okay. And they just sort of off my porch, and I went back in. I was like, I feel like I handled that really well. I was, I was gracious. I was cordial. But but like, you were firm. As I was, well, I, when it came when it came to decision time, I was firm, uh, and I wasn't mean. I was like, "Oh, darling, I'm, you know, we just don't fuck with the Bible here." <laughs> I just don't think she'd heard it phrased that way before. It's funny how uh, that's a Christian thing too. Is, is certain words you can't say? Them. Yeah, man, you can't oh, say. Yeah, them. they don't like the fuck words. These audible sounds that we that we made up. All words are inventions of us. They didn't exist before we did. That we we created this. But if you say this audible sound this way. It holds value, and which is great as a lyricist. You know, you get very adamant about the English language and and, and the, the language that I use and the rules that apply to it. And I, I often go, well, they're just all made up words. There's, I mean, but you know, society ha, you know has a, whatever. So like, I don't actually you know what I do cuss in front of my mom. I was about to say I don't cuss in front of my mom, but I cuss in front of my mom all the time now. Yeah. And she just accepts it now. Like you do in front of your parents. Too. All of my family is still very devoutly Christian. And I, over time, have just, I slowly, you know, I, I just, I swear a little bit more over the years in front of them regularly, right? And like, not in front of my brothers and sisters' kids so much, my nieces and nephews. Cause you know, you're allowed to raise kids. your kids yeah. however you want to raise yeah, them. Yeah, and I get that. Like, I don't, but I when it's like, when it's the grown ups, you know, the aunts and the uncles, my parents, and I, and I'll, to be fair, I just don't think about it much. These are the only humans on the earth that when I'm around them, I'm supposed to not swear. So, so you know, you just don't think about it. <laughs> so, yeah, all the time, I'll just be like, Dad, that's fucking bullshit. Oh, I'm sorry. What doesn't, you know what I mean, right? And he's just, you know, at this point, they don't say anything about it. I don't. I don't. Did stop. they used to get upset? Yeah, years ago they did. It took them a while to get used to. And to their tremendous credit, by the way, my family doesn't try to proselytize me. They don't try to give me shit about it. They know where I'm at, and I know where they're at. And we just like we don't have really conversations like this typically. We don't really yeah. talk about religion or politics much when the family's together. You know, we just talk about family shit. Talk about what the kids are all doing. You know what I mean? Or where we used to live, or whatever. Everybody's really chill about or it. Whatever. Any, anything that's not divisive, you know what I mean? They're very gracious and cordial to me, you know what I mean? Respectful to where I'm at, and I try to do the same. I don't sit around and talk about 
how the, what they think is wrong. They that you don't fuck with the Bible. I think but is also, wrong. Yeah, the right? whole thing about what's a cuss word. Like, so we're told as children that cuss words are bad. Just like we're told at children that the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and Jesus are real. And we find out later that they're not, right? By the so, way, like, to my religious parents' credit, they never told me none of that. Well, Jesus, whatever, yes. But they never. <laughs> there was no Santa Claus, Easter Bunny. They, like, they so kept the mythology my, to my the Bible. My nephew is uh, 9 or 10 years old right now. And so he came up to Nashville during spring break and stayed with me for a few days. Just me and him. He loves video games, so it was, it was a great time. And we're sitting there, and I was like, hey, bud, just so you know, like, while you're here at Uncle Jonathan's, you can cuss. Like, it's fine. Like, you're not going to It's gonna a get... weird thing to volunteer yeah, information-wise to that, a child. Because we were playing video games, and he was like, shoot. And I was like, hey, by the way, you know, you can, you can just, this is allowed here. If you want to say shit, say shit. Yeah, you don't have to. It's fine. And then Mama somebody, ain't he, here. Goes, he goes, okay. And then, I don't know, man. It may have been the next day, but it was definitely way later. And he was like, we're playing video games. And he died. And he goes, Uncle Jonathan, you said I could cuss, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, here it comes. And he goes, I was like, yeah. And he goes, Shit, <laughs> and I was like, I didn't, I didn't even look at, I didn't look back at him. I was just, I kept playing. I was like, okay. And he was like, I thought you were gonna like, it was, it was expecting something to happen. I was like, no man. Yeah, it turns out that nothing happened. Turns out, you know, what was it George Carlin at the end of his uh, that last stand? Seven words. dirty words. Seven words sorry. No, no, the uh, the last stand up he did when he was sixty nine years old. No, he was he was seventy. It was the last one he did on HBO. He's okay. talking about God and the existence of God. And the very end of the show, he goes, all right. I'll put it to the test. If God's real, may he strike this whole audience dead. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. You know, I don't want to risk it. I don't want to risk it. All right, all right. If God's real, may he strike me dead. See you guys. Nothing happened. Good night. You know? <laughs> It's like check. It's just testing the waters because you know as, as, when you're growing up thinking that all these bad things will happen if you're a bad boy. It's like, oh yeah, if I'm a bad boy, Santa doesn't bring me presents and I get cold. I get it. Same thing. We can go back to music now. It's if you like. it, no, it's, it's <laughs> interesting we, to we me. We left music so long ago. I, I I didn't grow up religious at all. Like that sounds lovely. Yeah, I mean, th- th- there was definitely other bullshit to deal with. Like there right, was for yeah, everybody. no, none of us grow up unscathed. Yeah. But their religion, like, I went to church a, a few times probably in my life. I've maybe been five or ten times my whole life. Holy Christ. I would go I would go six times a week, eight times a week. Yeah. See, that that's such a foreign thing to me. Like, uh, I, I never really was interested in religion. I didn't really care about it. You know, I, th- I think there's something to be said for the spiritual factor and what it can provide for people. Like but, spiritual, oh, you mean, yes, within the context yeah. of religion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, within the context of religion. Also, and I, with, outside the, as an atheist, I'm, I'm spiritual about certain things. I believe that energy, Newton's first law of thermodynamics, energy cannot be created or destroyed, only transferred. You know, so I do believe that there's, what's what separates the consciousness from the matter of the brain? You know, like there's some, there's something more there. And there's unknown by science. Yeah, and, and I'm spiritual about that. That makes me spiritual in nature. By definition, I'm spiritual, but I'm an atheist. You can coincide, you know, but yeah, yeah sorry, outside of context. Right? Um, but yeah, what do you guys think about like all the alien shit that's been going on? Oh my God. I mean, you might as well just reach over and grab John's dick and jerk it till it's hard. You want to talk about aliens? He's looking at how excited he already is right now. <laughs> so, by the way, I just watched Aliens, the movie, today. Uh, alien, so I don't know alien. if that's... <laughs> alien. I don't, no, I watched Aliens, the second the one. Sequel. Oh, I thought you, said you, you. Want, you wanted to watch the first one. You said I wanted to watch I aliens. did that yesterday. So oh, that was yesterday. <laughs> oh, my God. 
By the way, I'm pretty sure Don't all that's bullshit. Me, and he did watch the wrong thing, and now he's playing like he, he, he did watch both. None of us will ever know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'll hack into your Netflix or whatever it is. I don't know. We share um, one Netflix account. I know we have. <laughs> by the way, we share all of our streaming accounts. Do we look rich? Do we look like we each have Netflix accounts? What kind of ballers do you think you're talking to? It doesn't even own shoes. <laughs> I do have a pair of shoes. Just not currently. Uh, if you want to talk in facts. So aliens. Good prompt. Good prompt. So, so here's, here's my... On the way over here, I actually told Matt all these exact numbers and facts. I'm all about the numbers. We started talking about, or I started talking about the difference between one million and one billion, and that if I was to give you a hundred dollars a day, it would take 27 years until you had a million dollars. If I gave you a hundred dollars a day, it would take you 27,000 years until you had a billion. The jump is bigger than we think, and when we go to trillions and we go to beyond that, people don't quite understand. The sometimes. question was alien. Yeah, I know I'm getting there. <laughs> I just so far we've only talked money, and I so just we're, we're, talk, to... we're talking numbers here. So uh, the circumference of the Earth is 27,000 miles. Pretty long distance. Take you a long time to walk around the Earth. Um, to, the distance between the Earth and the Sun, which is an astronomical unit, which we use to measure most things, is uh, 93 million miles. It would take you 17 years at current technology speed, the fastest we can travel in space 17 years to get to the sun right the closest star to us alpha centauri four light years away at current technology speed twenty-seven thousand years holy fuck that's our neighbor do you know how many stars are in the milky way 100 to 200 billion well, they just don't look know. up at the sky at night it's limitless and then the this the the Distance between one side of the Milky Way to the other is a hundred million light years. Aliens will never. Sp- what's okay? Uh, the what's your point you always make here that the um, Asimov. Yeah. So the the, the, the Asimov, distance between aliens Asimov is so big. Postulated, he calls it the ten thousand worlds theory. Isaac Asimov, famous science fiction writer. Three laws of robotics. He yeah, created the laws of robotics. Yeah. Uh, he basically says that there have been, you know, many numerous uh, educated civilizations similar to us, more advanced than us, et cetera, et cetera, but that it never exists for longer than 10,000 years. And so without destroying itself, like may very well happen on this planet. And so they never find each other. They can never reach each other because no one ever is around long enough to develop enough technology to go all these distances yeah. he's talking about that so you would have to, to cover just to without, hope we bump into each without other. Without science fiction, warp travel, or bending space with a wormhole or a black hole like you know all the movies have done, it's nearly impossible. You basically have to go to cryosleep yeah, you'd and have wake to be, up. For, for tr- hundreds of also, millions of to, years to or whatever. To put 27,000 years in reference, we only have about eight to 9,000 years of recorded human history. Right? I mean, humans are just like, uh, it's crazy. Women Go got ahead. the right like to vote 100 years ago. Daddy wants to say something. <laughs> okay. know. Yeah, I do. Look at him. We He's are, into his mic, no, Jonathan. No, 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 Finish your thought. I, I want to ask you a question. We are a blip on the grand scale of everything. And when you look at, uh, not the Fermi's paradox, what's the uh, the equation? Right. Um, it's basically the equation, I'll remember it in a second, that, that determines like or, or estimates how many civilizations are currently uh, you know, existing in our one galaxy or the universe or whatever. And basically the number is so high that there are, it's, it's a definite 
for sure that there are other civilizations. Just based on how much exists. Yeah. There, there has, mathematically, there has to be other species currently alive. Probably up to 10,000 different planets in our one galaxy that have intelligent life in it. That was where the 10,000 worlds theory came from with Asimov. At any given time, in all of everything, there are up to 10,000 worlds, at least as advanced as we are, that we could never reach. our galaxy, and they estimate there's anywhere that, this is how big the spectrum is, anywhere from 100 to 300 billion galaxies that we know of. Because they're finding new ones every single day. Because the longer we look into space, the more shit we see. Because that's sure, how light yeah, works. Yeah, yeah. But also all that just shit. new web telescope. I mean, we're seeing. Man, and the gravitational waves they just discovered. I mean, come on. Like something they've been theorizing for years and years. That like, yeah, so gravitational waves are true. That's real. It affects time. All the and that's time why matters. we started making music together as a duo. Yeah, it is. <laughs> what were you going to ask? I want Okay, so do you know about I watched this video and if you haven't seen it, I want to show it to you, but they have seen like movement in the ocean that is like acknowledged by people who like watch weather patterns. Do you know what I'm talking about at all? There's it's like waves. Huh? Jesus <laughs> no. Christ. It's called the tide. No, 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 no. So so people who like who watch um like they watch for like you know hurricanes and things like that so they examine weather patterns there's like a there's something that whoops earthquake <laughs> I thought that's where we were going <laughs> cool special effect man do that um, so okay so everything there's basically like a something that they're picking up like they can like that radiates heat so they've seen it and it goes it flies like above the ocean and there's like all these experts who have acknowledged that it's. Is this extraterrestrial? Is that where we're going? Yeah, this? Is it, that it, what we think? This is alien or like a creature like like Leviathan uh, from the. I Bible? mean, I don't know. I'm just throwing this I'm out saying, there. That, I think that, that I'm not. I'm not uh, decrying it. I'm just saying, is that what they're essentially postulating? Is that yes, they think it's extra, extraterrestrial yeah, and, because they can't explain it. Yes, and I personally think that if aliens are going to be anywhere, it's going to be like in the ocean. Well, yeah, most of the Earth is ocean. I mean, that doesn't yeah, make right. Sense. That, I mean, it, I, it's I like have, the, the abyss. Also, most is, most inhabitable planets are, are going to be oxygen water based planets as well. They're also like the Earth used to be one giant continent at one point. Like. You know, most of the planet is water. It makes sense. Given that yeah. existence overall is so many hundreds of millions of years, to me, it doesn't seem outrageous that there could be some extraterrestrial something on this planet that could have been here since way before there were humans. That's, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. what I think is the most likely time, scenario. You know I mean? Most likely For that there was a civilization time. that left Earth. Also, you know what I mean? I have so, no, no like, part of me is like, that's not possible. Pyramids. Right. Any of it, right? Pyramids in be, Egypt. And Aztec pyramids have similar, you know, um, 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 describings of like an extraterrestrial species. Egypt, obviously, there's the, in the hieroglyphs, or they show the elongated skulls. We've all seen the mummy. I mean, it's Prometheus and Bob. Right? Great movie. Nice. <laughs> it really is. I love Brendan Fraser. Um, but like, there's something different with the way on opposite sides of the planet around the same time in history, things align up with the stars and things like that before they had the, you know, knowledge of any real astronomy. Yeah. yeah. So like, well, it could be Atlantis or some shit yeah, like man. that. You know I what mean, I mean? Like so, you said, human history is like eight under 10,000 years of recorded human history. That's so little. If, if 200,000 years ago, so an alien little civilization would here was here. We, we would not, 
Nothing. Yeah, you know, and you think they, they left Earth? Also, Maybe. the fact that most religions or talk died. about a man from the uh, open the stars that sends someone down. You know, I, th- I think there's something there. Like, just like there's a worldwide flood story all around the world. Like, there was probably, you know, it probably just floods. You know, like, it, it floods in most places. I would places. love it if just one time we found a dinosaur skeleton with, like, a saddle on the top. So we would know for sure. <laughs> just one time. Or, do you, or Ken, they have, Ken like, AK-47s like so or something? <laughs> yeah, oh, man. A, a flying dinosaur with just missiles in his talons. But yeah, I mean, the th- here's the thing. As a scientist, as someone who believes in observation as the only thing we have, there's no evidence to say that there has been an extraterrestrial species on our planet. Okay, that's so weird, it's you know, interesting to actually speculate that all day. So we're talking no about proof. this right now. I read today that a Harvard scientist claims to have found a, a fragment piece of an extraterrestrial uh, technology in the Pacific Ocean today. No one's ever they, claimed anything it, today like that in the news. But I mean, it was you know this is whatever more more modern. Obviously. Almost obviously, it's probably going to be made up. But today, he claimed to have found the first piece, and this is all over all like the major news networks, first ever piece of extraterrestrial technology to be documented outside of, of course, Area 51. It's right in front of you. I don't see it. Well, from you to your left. Oh, I, got it. I had to be more specific. Here's you the can't thing, just though. say in front of we you. We are aliens, right? So the seed theory is that um, throughout millions and billions of years, life gets on planets from other planets. I believe this is Ridley Scott that postulated this theory. And there's there's Prometheus. Well the sea theory. I'm gonna get there. I'm only at aliens, but I'm getting there. You haven't watched Prometheus? Of course I have. I'm rewatching. It's pretty good. It a lot of people good. didn't like it, but I, I, I loved it. I was it, super dude. into it. Man. I was actually read a review that said Ridley Scott gave us the prequel well, so that no, no one wanted or needed. That's different. <laughs> so that's a species planting its DNA. What I'm talking about is is the the uh, the the basis for life, right? The proteins. It comes on a fucking comet. So w- that's the problem with when they talk about evolution. How, that's the missing part, right? Like, how did it go from not these proteins to these proteins? Yeah, they have to exist for life to happen. And it's the uh, primordial soup they talk about, right? That's still a theory. Like, they haven't proved it yet. They've done it in a laboratory and shown how it could happen, but it has to have something uh, externally exciting it to make it happen. So that's the seed theory, is that over billions of years, those materials go from comet to comet, planet. Every planet in the universe gets hit by comets constantly. And so life here is the same as life everywhere else. There's just more of us everywhere on every planet. Just, it's funny when but you where humans on every from? planet. It's funny you know when what you I say mean? every planet gets hit by comets constantly because we don't. I wouldn't argue we get hit by like, comets constantly, right? but, uh, it, but it is regular sure, no, and it happens that we talk about it because it's every so often. But when you talk about all time, sure, it might as well be constantly, right? Even if we only get hit by one every year, every two years, every five years. I don't 10 have my times phone, but I would love to Google how many uh, that actually strike the Earth. How many? Yeah, yeah, you go. Per day. No, dude. He's just looking at porn. <laughs> he's just looking no, at porn. He's just no, looking at porn. No, 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 I got you. What do you want? What's happening right now? You said how many? <laughs> no, what, is, what do you want? Uh, how many comets hit the Earth a year? Right, yeah, how many? Anything? Yeah, space-born yeah. objects, I guess, of any type. Whatever you may categorize them as. IFOs. Identified. <laughs> Fucked objects. objects. It's nothing to UFOs. People hear UFOs and they're like, okay. okay. You may never have actually seen a meteorite. But they keep falling to Earth, according to the study. 
by researchers at the University of Manchester and Imperial College published in geology, there are about 17,000 of them a year. God so, damn. Here, that's here's here's the thing. But do we trust the British? <laughs> I mean, that's the question. We Wait, but okay, but hold on. On how go. often do comets hit Earth? The truly dangerous objects, those large enough to cause regional or global catastrophe, are once, uh, let's see, any given year is roughly one in 300,000. Once every, no, once every few hundred thousand years. Yeah. Okay. Which, again, to Over us, the course of a, we're about to. But also, we're talking about right. the smaller ones, too, not the big ones, but any right. size. That's trans. So here's, here's the thing space ain't empty. Space is not this empty void. There's shit floating around everywhere. There is a lot of empty space, yes, but there's all these little particles. That's what the planets and stars and all that shit's made of is all these little bits that gather together because of gravity, the attraction of... I think that's what okay. e everything is made here, of. Here, this one will kind of... Made of. Okay, about right. once a year, an automobile-sized asteroid hits Earth. Did you atmosphere. say automobile? Yeah. Because I've not ever heard that word pronounced that way, automobile. Uh, automobile? Like an automobile? I'm automobile Alabama. Automobile? Are we, say, <laughs> are we saying it jerk, differently? Really. It's an automobile. Automobile. That's car. <laughs> just say car. <laughs> Am I saying it differently? No. I, you said automobile. <laughs> is there anywhere where that word is pronounced that way that I'm unfamiliar with? Automobile? Tomato, tomato. You're right here, right now. Yeah, right and now. nobody fucking says tomato. Hey, nobody. We, <laughs> I, we already discussed how you can't trust the British. <laughs> we hit that earlier. All right. Anyway, Anyways. carry on. Automobile size. No, yeah, once a year, roughly. Yeah, more times than someone says automobile. So every time that happens, struck. where does that come from? It comes from probably Space. another planet because there's half the fucking stars in our galaxy have planets. Well, you got to think our planet was an alien planet at one time when there's fucking dinosaurs roaming around. Like, can you imagine if we saw that somewhere in our galaxy? You know, if you yeah, right. So they did that movie recently with uh, Adam Driver, sixty five. Sixty five, yeah, yeah. And it, so I thought it was going to be like a like a Planet of the Apes kind of story, where like he it goes back in time and ends up on Earth sixty five million years ago. But it was just a, di a it planet just, where they they were still prehistoric. Yeah, so it's this movie takes place. I was like, somebody can tell me what's I, going I, on. I, I never saw this movie. Six. I thought it was about people that were retiring. And now I'm telling you. So sixty five million years ago is when this movie takes place. There is a species, they look like humans, that just happened to crash land on Earth 65 million, million years ago. So we're still, we're, back to, we're still with aliens is where we're at. Yeah, so these people are aliens. Yeah, this, uh, Adam Driver, I guess, is an alien. In he, he, yeah, he's, uh, he's like, like a, a pilot. like a sexy man alien. Oh, man. So, <laughs> look, look. I ain't about the sausage right now, but I was. And you know what did it for me? If I was, I'd fry You know what right did it up. for me? It's him... With that high shirt thing in Star Wars. When he was Kylo Ren. When he had that Japanese looking. Yeah. What? 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 what, what oh, dude, what? that reminds me. You don't like Star Wars, do you? I love Star oh, Wars. I thought you did. Oh, he, right before we started, he goes, there's a wooden sword. There's a wooden sword. sword. So, he was very excited about it. Like, so basically, you guys, this is like a letter opener. Like My granddad had this, but it was just like this big. <laughs> I got I got big you know I got I'm big letters. About? That was just like old school wooden letters. So that's this, but like these are the biggest letters. I don't know who's sending you guys or what your mailbox looks like. They're dinosaurs. Bills. Your bills are yeah. huge. So why do you what's you guys want to fill me in on what the deal is with this wooden sword? <laughs> it's just a, a practice sword that we acquired. A practice ago. sword. What the? So like, what do you say, practice sword? <laughs> well, it's not Pirating. a real one. Have you ever it's seen not, Pulp yeah, Fiction like, so like, before? What are, what are you practicing for? 
being Captain Jack Sparrow with a practice sword because I I don't I don't do anything with you a practice real sword. having a sword. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like, yeah. So that's my question: is what part of your lives involve real swords that require this practice sword to prepare for? Well, we don't talk about that. Yeah, that's so uh, this is that's, not that's, that's not, not <laughs> yeah. Look, right out of the gate tonight. I touched on some shit that I couldn't talk about either. So He's I like, get it. And Everybody's we're allowed. out. <laughs> Everybody's allowed to have their own privacy, and I like I wouldn't get circumcised. Please put down the murder weapon. They killed eighteen people with that thing and they would if they actually just killed. make sure you rub your fingerprints all over yeah yeah please, right. yes we did just perfect it, so. can you rub fingerprints it seems like that would be useless fingerprint wise if i just gave it this move just oh they're definitely on there yeah that's, i mean that's, this that's is good. Finger you understand how fingerprints work perfect now now i'm murder weapon oh here we go yeah. let me like there's each four here's here, a thumb that's what we need here we go i'm not gonna do it below with the pinky i'm not a gangster Huh? Well, you are now. Oh, you're right. All right, here we give you a clean thumb up there. Yeah, <laughs> give you a clean. And now we have you on camera with it in your hand too. Yeah. So and they're gonna edit this shit. So it'll just be like, "Hi, I'm Matt Mackey. I love to murder people with this wooden sword." <laughs> How did, did I say all those words during that thing? How did they put he that wouldn't together? remember anyway. Because uh, again, goldfish. Yeah, I don't remember a lot. Like I might not even know we did this. <laughs> but like that's later. Actually, I had an EEG today. Oh. And it was totally fine. So I probably will remember this, I guess. Hell I fell yeah. asleep immediately. They told me it was for two hours, and I, like before she was even out of the room. I, that's the last thing I remember. So time. And then she was poking me with her. She had a wooden sword, too. So is that? I made that up. It she actually was the same wooden sword. You guys drove down to the hospital today, <laughs> and you guys you're like dropped it off. Before this guy, you while I was asleep in the EEG machine, you're like, look. This guy is gonna fuck with. I, I swear, I don't know him yet, but I promise he's gonna fuck with this wooden sword at my house later. Can you just poke him with it? Is that how the story started? That's it. That's exactly how it. That that's how it happened. Well, gentlemen, where can people find you? <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. dot org. Um. So we have a Facebook, a Instagram, and I like that you led with Facebook. <laughs> yeah, because each, uh, each of our moms want to find where we're, we're all at. over thirty. We get it. Um, and you're forty now. Shut up. And uh, yeah, so uh, we have TikTok, Facebook. We actually also a while back did a little TV show kind of thing, and it's a it was called Here's a Show. So there's a Here's a Game that's also exists as well, uh, but. Pretty much type in this, type in still guns to anything and you'll find us. Or regular still guns that just don't move. Yeah, that's, that's what I meant. Motionless. Motionless guns. They ain't metal. You can find us on the internet, I think is what he's trying to say. Still guns, not metal. It describes our... I would love, now I'm so curious, I don't know where my phone is, but I would love to know what comes up when you Google still guns, not metal. Probably a Colt 45. Or like another. Oh, I thought you mean like still gun, like S-T-E-E-L. So this is the, we're going to take a little intermission and then we're going to do another hour and a half. That's what I was told. <laughs> you know. That's why I pulled out the metal. That's why I pulled out the wooden sword. Danny, what shows do you uh, you have coming up, bud? Ooh. Uh, all right. So on July 20th, we've got the Leonard Skinner tribute show at the OG Basement. What? At featuring, the OG Basement? Featuring oh. hippies and cowboys and guests and then... Uh, on August 14th, we've got what was and what will always be a tribute to Led Zeppelin. At, at the Beast, Beast, right? Yep, at Beast. And that's got a lot of really cool people involved with that one. Oh, so. This is very exciting. Skinner was yeah. my very first concert, so I'm really? well, probably going to have to go to... 
Go to that. Such great musicians. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, a Charlie Argo buddy of mine. I was playing the show out in about an hour west of here. I forgot where it's at. And uh, Dixon. And uh, I looked over. I looked at the keyboard player, and I was like, that guy looked kind of familiar. It was Peter Keys. Yeah. Who plays with uh, Skinner now. And then I was like, what the fuck? And I was talking to the drummer, and he was like, yeah, just buddy of mine. He'd come out. And so afterwards, he's like, hey, I'm Peter. I'm like, fucking know who you are. <laughs> yeah, dude. So Hippies and Cowboys, the guys who are playing most of the stuff, they jam with him sometimes. Awesome. Yeah, so Smart he's not, I don't think he can make it. I, I wouldn't say whether he... Well, this was a little. Not, uh, I, I will say. I will say right now for a fact that he will be there. I'll <laughs> guarantee it. Nope, nope, not I'll sure. guarantee it. No, I won't. I may or may not have anything to do with this. With this happening, but I'll just say it. I'll guarantee it for, for a fact. Not. You can find me. You can call me at Eat Sleep Rock. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, trying. Where to you playing, man? Plug. Where are you playing soon? Um, I don't have anything booked right now. I mean, we're working on getting a date for Tarantino night. But uh, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, you explain that for me. Yeah, so basically, I'm gonna be the the band leader. We're gonna put together. I have like a core band that I've put together, and we're gonna have different singers sing different songs from Tarantino movies. Oh, what? Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. so it, it'll be pretty rad. Um, but yeah, as soon as we have like a date for that, then. I'm doing that with with Danny and Eat Sleep Rock. It's a yeah. We're looking to do it probably at the five spot. Wait, who else is Eat Sleep Rock? I know it used to be Tara. Now it's Danny. Yeah, that's why you know it. Yeah, yeah, so Tara I just fixed it and, for him. and Josh Waters. Josh, they, oh, Waters. Yeah. yeah, that Tara. Sorry, oh, I guess I should have been more specific. Yeah. So Tara was the one who started. I yeah, I mean, jo- I, Josh Waters and me, you know, are like this. Yeah, they're so, <laughs> dude. He's awesome. This is gonna, it's gonna be a blur. It's gonna be great. Well, yeah, but who was? They're who? both. By great. the way, editing a blur on the screen is hard. It's <laughs> annoying as fuck. <laughs> we don't blur anything on this. Hey, <laughs> not even the wooden sword. <laughs> not a, not a euphemism. Well, shit! I should—I probably shouldn't say anything. So. Uh, I was about to say, yeah, I was like, he, he will. Right look, look, there was this one time. I guess he said they didn't look, blur so there was there was this one time. Me and Matt were playing a gig down in uh, what's that island? Oh, uh, not Ohatchee. What's uh, uh, Harry A's? What's that place? My Apalachicola. St. George Island. St. George Island. And uh, afterwards, we're hanging out with some folks at this little after party. It's probably like what three or four in the morning. At least. This is a long time ago, by the way. And uh, we're sitting there, and someone, it's, me and Matt are the only two dudes. It was room full of a lot of beat chicks, couple of attractive, but not Jesus that. Jesus Christ. Not, not, really, not really that many attractive ones. I had the most attractive one, and that was pretty much it. And so Matt was so like, I'm not getting laid tonight, right? So he just, I look over, and he's talking about getting negative, or whatever. And I just look over, and Matt is full nude, just standing there in this room, smoking a cigarette. And everyone's like, oh, okay. Uh, How many people were in the room? I could have Eight, been. Yeah, I was about to say less, than, less than a dozen. Yeah. And then no one, it wasn't sexual in any way. No, it was not. I was, <laughs> not, not, I was not really hard. I mean, like, no one, I, I was the only I other. I was not that inspired. I can tell you that no female in that room felt sexually assaulted. It was more like, <laughs> look at this dude and his flaccid penis. Making a fool of himself. I was just kind of standing in the middle. He didn't, he just didn't care at all. It was very Greek. Very yeah, Greek. He just slowly put his clothes back on and stopped being new. It was, it was, it was sort of a, an artistic piece that I put together called Man Redresses. That's where we'll end it. Keep yeah. on dreaming. See you next week. <laughs> this is a song about our favorite outlaw. 
They say our women want an outlaw and someone to hang their hat on and not stops in between. But if you want to please her, then you got a reason to treat her like a queen. I might not be the best of the rest, yeah, but if I only get this one request, oh, 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 let me be your Robin Hood. With my arrows by my side, I will fill our pocketbooks with sleight of hand and twist of fire. If my fingers fail to grip, would you love me all the same? Even with my busted lip, I'll be on Robin Hood today. When the lawman comes a-knocking Oh, and it stops the house from rocking Child, you know I got a plan mm. You can follow me right on out the back door Oh, we're gonna take the Mexico road The sun will be out Welcome back I might not be best of the rest, yeah, but if I only get this one request, oh, 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 let me be your Robin Hood with my arrows by my side, I will fill our pocketbooks with sleight of hand and twist of thigh, if my fingers fail to grip. Would you love me all the same? Even with my busted lip, I'll be on Robin Hood today. And if this love is more than we can make, I promise I'll take your mistakes. And I know you'll take mine too. But right here in this dirty car With no one caring where we are It's always been my favorite thing about you I might not be the best of the rest, yeah But if I only Get this one request Oh, oh, oh Let me be your Robin Hood With my arrows by my side I will fill our pocketbooks With sleight of hand and twist of thigh If my fingers fail to grip Would you love me all the same? Even with my busted lip I'll be your Robin if you kiss me on the lips, I'll be your Robin Hood to stay.